0: I got my hats.
1: Yeah? Yeah. Which ones did you order again? The weird the, minor league
0: team that I can't yeah, remember the, the name of? The uh, Montgomery Biscuits.
1: <laughs>
0: and the Rocket City Trash Pandas.
2: Yes! <laughs> the Rocket oh, and the City Trash, trash
0: Pandas. Well, hello, and welcome to Bromancing the Stone. It's the podcast for myself, Renee Sanchez, and my good buddy, Max Lyon. What up? Watch rom-coms, and then immediately talk into microphones and give our thoughts about them for your listening pleasure. And Max Lyon, we're in the midst of this uh, never-ending quarantine. How are you holding up?
1: God, I hope it's the midst and not the uh, beginning stages still. Um, I'm good. I'm good. I'm alive for our third episode of The Quarantine, right? Wait, this is our yes. third, right?
0: Yeah. Yes, this is our third one.
1: God, I. it's just weird how... It's so weird how much it changed life so quickly. Yeah, it has. Oh, man. But at least I we still I- have alcohol and we still have yeah. all the pleasures to get us through it.
0: I've I've started calling alcoholic drinks during this time quarantinis.
1: <laughs>
0: so I hope everyone's got a quarantini.
1: The next time I, in the next time we record, I'm gonna make sure I get some vodka and I'm gonna make a martini, and I will call it a quarantini for you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, order it up. Luckily, we have alcohol delivery services on decky here in Chicago, so.
1: That's true. Oh yeah, I you, guess I could you order. Could always
0: make it happen. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I do need to go grocery shopping, but considering I still have a few bottles of wine left in the house. Oh, you're I'm good. Technically, not out of food. Yeah. So you got
0: you got fruit. You're yeah, good.
1: I got fruit. Exactly. You know, it's it's liquid. It's it's you need liquids when you're fighting off diseases. Yeah. 100%. Um, alcohol disinfects, and yeah, uh, it's 100%. fruit. I I yeah, feel yeah. like. You know, it's natural. It's (laughs) get your vitamins. Like, I I don't see anything wrong with it. This is a win-win right here.
0: Yeah. Win, win, win. Uh, win. Speaking of win-win-win, which is a quote from Michael Scott, played by Steve Carell in The Office. (laughs) We watched another Steve Carell film this week, and it's one of my favorite films, and I'll go more into why I chose it. We watched Dan in Real Life band
1: oh is that uh, the one you watched oh i watched a different movie
0: <laughs> what did you watch get <laughs> smart no <I'm> kidding
1: uh,
0: <laughs> no you watched uh, god what, what was the one with the the duponts and wrestling Foxcatcher. what or yeah
1: oh fuck. he's in a wrestling movie
0: um well kind of so uh it was a I don't know. It's, a, it's, yeah, it was called Foxcatcher. So,
1: it, uh, so are, we going, are we going down a rabbit hole here?
0: Yeah, I mean, fuck it, we're in quarantine, so we'll go down it real quick. <laughs> uh, Foxcatcher is a movie uh, that was actually, uh, Steve Crow was nominated, I believe, for an Oscar in that film.
1: For, for a uh, wrestling movie called Foxcatcher, really.
0: No, here's the thing it was based on a real life thing. It was a bio where, um, there was this, uh, you know, the DuPonts, like, have you heard of DuPont, like paint and like, yeah, yeah. They're like old money. So what of the DuPonts? John DuPont was a, he was an heir to the DuPont thing and he liked Olympic sports, but specifically he liked wrestling. So, he would actually bring Olympic wrestlers to his estate and he created this like wrestling training program on his estate. And Steve Carell played John DuPont. Um, and then there were two 1984 Olympic US gold medalist wrestlers, and Mark Schultz and Dave Schultz, who helped coach the wrestlers. And then there's this basically John DuPont, like kind of. Went crazy, and then there was a a murder. Um,
1: Wait, what? Yeah. So this just it, it, turned it, into a, a a true crime podcast.
0: Well, it was a drama. This movie. We're talking about Steve Carell. Come on.
1: Yeah, that's true. But I, I thought you said and, there yeah. actually was like this is a real family with. Did it was there really a murder? Uh,
0: yes, like that was what happened in real life in the eighties, and then they made a film about it in two thousand fourteen.
1: Damn. Okay,
0: and Steve Carell played the the guy who went crazy, and he played
1: a serious role.
0: Yeah, and he, he got nominated for an Oscar for it. That's and that's because Steve Carell is a good actor, and we'll go more into that here
1: in a little bit. But all right, well uh, let's let's get back to the movie we watched.
0: Yeah, which. It was like, and that was part of the reason why I wanted to choose this. This is a film I've watched many, many, many times. <laughs> it's a movie that I own on DVD, um, and it's a movie that it's it's not necessarily tremendous. It's not a tremendously popular film. I think people know the title and know that Steve Carell's in it more than they know what the
1: movie's about. I would agree with that. Yeah, I Where, mean, at least from my perspective. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah, where they'll just be like, "Oh, Danny, real life." Like they they know that title, but they don't necessarily know the movie at all. Um, and so, uh, I was, it was one of those things where it's like it's going to be hard to kind of fit it into the the podcast. Uh, I guess like the the movies that we do because there's so many other movies that were like popular or that you know we know as like I don't know like. You know, when you think of like our age group, forgetting Sarah Marshall was really popular amongst all of our friends. Like all of our friends have seen that movie, and, yeah, and everything else like that. And it's hard to be like, let's do data real life instead of forgetting Sarah Marshall or something like that. But I finally saw kind of a a way to fit it in after Crazy Stupid Love last week.
1: No, I think so, it, I think it fits seamlessly. Yeah, I, I would so, agree though. I was actually thinking that while we while I was watching it. Uh, I was going to say while we were watching it, because that's what I'm used to. But I miss you, buddy. I miss It's Anyway. Anyway. We don't have feelings. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Get a beer. Get a beer. That's um, why we
0: have a podcast about romantic comedies, because we say
1: fuck feelings. Yeah, fuck feelings. <laughs> we don't <like> romantic comedies. <laughs> We're men. <laughs> so, uh, what the fuck was I even saying? Um, <laughs> oh, when, I, when when I was actually watching it, I I was thinking that exactly w- was that it, it. I completely lost my train of thought. Actually, I thought it would come to me. <laughs> um, About
0: how it was just like not as well known.
1: Yeah, it how there was. A different feel to it than a lot of the comedies that are the rom-coms that were coming out around that time mm-hmm. um and the ones that you know that came out during our youth and while we were growing up and stuff like that the ones that we were used to at least the ones that i'm used to and the mm-hmm. ones that i of course gravitate towards more that are you know like no strings attached and like Yes, forgetting Sarah Marshall and like Matt that a
0: guy in ten days, which I'm yeah. finding is exceedingly popular amongst just people. Yeah, it's one of our more listened to uh, episodes. Honestly, it, like I noticed that. I'm. And it's like, ah, oh, okay,
1: all right. I mean, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm mad at it. It's not that bad of a movie.
1: Yeah, it's not that. It's it's a it's a decent movie. I was actually yeah, decent, pleasantly surprised by it. Decent
0: movie. I agree.
1: Um. But yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Where I was like, "This isn't this isn't a bad movie by any means, but I can definitely see where it gets lost, kind of in the the translation for our generation, anyway." Where it's like, yes. it's it appeals." I think it appeals to a little bit older point in your life than we yes. were prepared for at that time when it came out.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, and and that kind of goes hand in hand with. Uh, my first memory of watching the movie, yeah, um, my mom saw it first. What, like it's a it's a story that I've told many times on this podcast. I was gonna right say now. I feel like that's how yeah. everyone goes, and <laughs> like a lot of movies from around this time. Uh, my mom saw it first. She said it was great, uh, and she would go see it again. So I remember going to see it again with her at Sanium Eleven, uh, and I remember being in the theater. And laughing at the inappropriate times, (laughs) like I just thought, Steve Carell's like performative face on the film was so good. Like you could just see his thoughts. He had some good moments
1: in this movie. Like
0: you could see, like, and this kind of going into the review of the movie itself, but you could see exactly what Steve Carell was thinking and wanting to say on his face throughout the film. And it was just like every time he had a look, this was right in the midst of like I think the second or third season of The Office had just finished. So like this was October of two thousand seven when this came out. So mm. we're we're talking I think third middle of third season, like third season just began for The Office because The Office started in 05. Um So yeah, like this, so I'm like I was all in on The Office early so. I'm already an Office fan. I loved 40 year old virgin. I, I'm i a complete like Steve Carell fan. And then he's putting out a performance like this in this movie, like which is just a more human, slightly more dramatic performance. But at the same time, like he's just, he has these looks throughout the movie that I couldn't help myself but laugh at. And I was laughing my laugh, which you guys have heard of this <laughs> podcast in a theater where these moments are not necessarily like, laugh out loud moments and my mom even at one point shushed me because <laughs> i was <laughs> laughing so hard at it every, every she was just like Shh. <laughs> like i'm like i can't help it he's really good and this is funny to me like he, i'm just and it was more and it wasn't even like i was laughing at exactly what they were trying to say in the movie i was laughing at how he was performing that moment
1: he's definitely like, very expressive in this movie he has a lot yes. of good like emotions and subtle things displayed through his expressions alone. Yes. And that's, Uh, that's crucial. I think to a good actor. I mean, I I don't know. I I wouldn't know, but mm -hmm. I would say that like from an audience's perspective, that's what I love to see is like the stuff that goes untold. Like, yes. How many times did you grow up hearing about like, Oh, that, you know, if you ever flirt with someone, you got to keep in mind that body language is part of it. It's not Mm -hmm. just what you're saying, or if you ever, you know, go to an interview body language is like 90% of what you're conveying to the interviewer. Mm
0: -hmm. Like
1: that's what I want to see out of actors too, where it's like, I love the script. I'm going to love, you know, the acting itself, the physical acting, but I also want to see like the more subtle side of it. I want you to like make me forget about the rest of the world and make me just focus on the world you're creating in this movie. Yes, and the only way to do that is to be human about it, like yes. express. Don't just recite. You that I am
0: so one hundred percent in agreement with what you just said. That is what I look for in movies all the time. That is, that is like when when I think of movies. That's and when I think of like romantic comedies and just like basically love and romance is a very human emotion that everyone feels and everyone can connect to. So that whole part of, I want to go to where you're at in this world. Like what story you're trying to tell? Like, I understand like this isn't a new story you're saying, like this isn't a new situation. This isn't like we're, this is the same formula, but I want to just be in that performance, like perform and be human here. And I just want to see humans reacting within the situation.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, we'll go to the stats here. Uh, "Data Real Life is a 2007 American comedy drama film directed by Peter Hedges, who also co-wrote it, um, and stars Steve Carell, Alison Pill, Juliet Badoche, Diane Wiest, John Mahoney, and Dane Cook. And that is how it's listed. I can't believe Allison Pill got listing above Juliette Benoche. That's kind of what I was wondering too. Like allison Pill is the oldest daughter of the three daughters that he has right. in the film. I I don't even know why she's even listed here. <laughs> like she of the three daughters, she doesn't get nearly as much screen time as the middle daughter Kara.
1: Oh the middle she daughter like, like I, oh my god. Okay, yeah we'll yeah, get into that. We'll we'll, we'll get into that, talking, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll get into that.
0: <laughs> she doesn't get nearly as much screen time, and then she also doesn't play nearly as important of a part as Lily, the youngest, does. Oh, yeah. She just has this stupid, annoying little uh, uh, "I want to drive" storyline, and it's like that was. How is she the second build with that fucking story? Anyway, we'll talk about that. <laughs> um, uh, the music was by Sondre Uh I mentioned Lurch. that. I mentioned that separately because. Uh, you know, there's cool stories behind that. Um, the release date was October 26th of 2007.
1: Wait, there are cool ha- stories behind that.
0: The music. Yes.
1: Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I assume that you'll elaborate <laughs> on that later.
0: Yeah. Okay. I think, uh, so the little inside baseball here, I think for the cold open, I'm going to cut where you say you don't have tasty tidbits and put that at the very beginning. Okay. And then and then people will know that I'm the one who will have tasty tidbits for this film.
1: Yeah, Renee's got the tasty tidbits. <laughs> um, I mean, you're, you're we... welcome to uh, to to partake in the tidbits segment. I don't mind.
0: I know. I I and sometimes I do. I've I've thrown little things in. I before. welcome it. Yes.
1: Because um, like yeah, it... unless it's, it's some movies like the ones that I know well I can provide a mm-hmm. lot more tasty tidbits for, but yeah. We're, you know, we, we get in an uncharted territory sometimes like this movie for me, where like, I'll look up some stuff. I'll do some research and I'm just like, not finding the same kind of juice. So I'm like, eh, yeah, eh, it's not worth boring people, <laughs> but if you got some stuff, you said it was one of your favorites. So that makes sense that you got some stuff.
0: Yeah. Uh, and then how long uh, is this film?
1: Hour 50. No, wait. No, hour 38. No, wait. No, no, no. Hang on. No, no, no. Hour hour 45. I don't know. What is it? (laughs) It is
0: 98 minutes, which is an hour 38. Well, fuck. Your second guess was right on, and he stopped you. Something. Wait,
1: no. (laughs) Son of a bitch. (laughs) Story of my life.
0: Uh, I don't know. I hope people find as much enjoyment out of you trying to guess the (laughs) the time as I do. Because every fucking episode, it is one of the funniest parts of this. uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) The do what I can. Budget for the film was twenty five million dollars. How much did it make at the box office?
1: Twenty five million. That's it. Okay. Oh um, well, yeah.
0: I mean, it was shot in one spe- one part, and it was just true. this house in Rhode Island. So I'm sure that's we true. didn't take that much to rent that house
1: out. Um, Airbnb. What up? Uh, <laughs> sponsorship opportunity. Uh <laughs> ninety eight million.
0: Sixty-eight point four million. Ooh. So, yeah, I mean, almost about three times. I mean, as, for, as we've talked about, like this film and how you know, it, it's it's not like a, a widespread popularity type film. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, I I think that's that's a pretty solid return on investment for this film. And this is the type of film that would only get 25 million to, to make like that. It makes sense that that's how much it got. And then that's how much it made. And quite frankly, if I was a filmmaker, this is the type of film I'd want to make. And I'd want to make, you know, a small budget film, make, you know, a little bit off of it. And then, and then just keep moving, keep it moving. Yeah. Um, and it, it got 64% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. So, um, yeah, as was mentioned, Max couldn't really find tasty tidbits, but I've got some. So uh, Renee, hit back. us with some tasty tidbits. Uh, I have the DVD of the film, which includes, uh a, like a little featurette on the making of the film, uh, as well as a featurette on the soundtrack of the film. Uh, so I mentioned we'll start with the soundtrack and the music i mentioned sandre lurch uh sandre lurch he's a a, a musician obviously um, that uh, he actually stayed on set with his guitar while the filming was happening really and he was and he was creating the songs along with like he was creating songs for the soundtrack along with the filming of the movie. Really? Yes. And so, um, and then if you listen closely, uh, and if you listen to the soundtrack and you listen closely to the, um, to some of the things that happen in the, that, that are played in the background, um, there's, uh, for instance, on the soundtrack, there's a, a song called Dan and Marie theme. And, um, Initially, like when they start talking after the book and tackle shop, mm-hmm. do you hear the beginnings of that theme? Like it goes, it's like, like it's got this little guitar part. And then when they drive to see Marie at the end of the movie, they play the full version of that theme. Oh, no, so it nice should. Yeah, so there's like a, a short like one minute version on the soundtrack, and then there's a longer two minute version, and like it, so they play this theme that's like their theme on different parts of the movie. Hmm. Um, and uh, he um, it, like all the songs that are played were by Sandre Lurch. Um, there's one where he ha- it features a uh, Regina Sprechter, Um and that's when they're bowling. Okay, Uh, but other than that, Sardar has performed all the all the songs that you hear in the background of the movie. Really? Uh, Yes. And then, well, well, and even the song that
1: at the end in the wedding.
0: Well, yeah, I mean that's him performing with another uh, artist as the wedding singers. So he's yeah. Uh, and that he even performed a version of uh, "Let My Love Open the Door" <laughs> for the soundtrack as well. Let my love open the door. Let my love open the door. Um, <laughs> now, as far as the filming in and of itself, so Steve Carell was still uh, filming The Office before uh, before he could get to the house. Yeah. So they. The whole everyone else besides Steve Carell went to the house and just stayed in the house and rehearsed for four days before cameras and all the equipment.
1: Oh, yeah, I did read about that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So they just rehearsed and like basically learned how and like played games and just kind of learned how to be a family
1: sort of thing. That's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. I and thought that then, was a nice touch to it. Yeah. And it because and like Steve Carell couldn't get there until six hours before filming started. So he kind of missed out on this whole chemistry building part. So what uh, the director, uh, Peter Hedges, had the, everyone do is uh, basically like write letters to Dan about their relationship in the within the movie to Dan. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they also had some of the family or some of the actors like even create songs or whatever. And so like his three daughters had a whole dance and a dance to We Are Family by Sister Sledge. <laughs> <clears throat> and yeah, I guess like when they performed it for Steve Carell, um Peter Edge says, I could see within 20 seconds he was their father. He was immediately there. Huh. Like and and so like they just had this whole thing where everyone was kind of like, I wonder how Steve Carell's going to react to this and like he immediately just took to it understood what it was why they were doing it and was immediately like okay we're ready to film this movie huh that's cute so um yeah and then it's an actual house that they filmed out of as well so they couldn't knock down walls or anything else like that so they literally had to choreograph everything when it was like with so many people there
1: oh god them. yeah i can't like, even imagine
0: where people stood how people sat everyone had to like be on be on it
1: because Jesus. if anyone lost
0: focus if anyone did something they shouldn't have been doing if anyone like could ruin a shot they have to do it all over again oh
1: my god yeah uh, so, i wonder i want to know how long it filming actually took then because uh
0: it took five they had five weeks so they did it in five weeks
1: they really did it in five weeks they did wow. it in five
0: weeks that's impressive yeah, yeah. And uh, and then of course there was some some improv that was kept in the movie, including uh, this corn is like an angel. Yep, that was the improv line, and you can see uh, Alice and Pill start laughing. Yep, they kept the take in there because she held it long enough before she bust out laughing. But they showed the extended clip in this behind the scenes featurette, and she just like she has a smirk on her face. And then it turns into a big old smile and then she just laughs hysterically. And she's just like shaking her head. Just like, I couldn't hold it any longer. <laughs> like, sorry. And she just laughs for a good, like 30 seconds. Like, <laughs> this
1: corn is, an
0: angel. <laughs> this corn is like an angel. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, so that's, that's basically it just kind of like the behind the scenes of how they they fell in the movie as as like tasty did because it's, there's nothing like very yeah there's not juicy there's no juicy, <laughs> there's there's nothing, no juicy yeah.
1: hollywood stuff behind it
0: yeah nothing you know like you know dave cook was supposed to be you know such and such and so and so and yeah nothing like that so yeah um yeah so let's go ahead and get into the movie uh I think I'm gonna have a lot to say, so I want you to go ahead and go first <laughs> go ahead man and uh get give your initial thoughts and what you thought about this movie
1: um let's see so where do I begin there were there were a couple of things I wanted to touch on, and um first of all i i I thought the overall theme of it was was good. I liked the I liked the application to real life. I liked that um, it was a little more... uh, I liked that it was a little more true to real life, that it was clear that um, Dan was going through some shit and, you know, that this wasn't just a, you know, hunky-dory, you know, rose-colored glasses Mm -hmm. rom-com. I also hated it for that reason at the same time, (laughs) where it was like... (laughs) As I mentioned, like I'm so nostalgically used to the rom-coms of like the Ashton Kutcher era, where it's like you know, your biggest conflicts are like these little petty relationshipy things. You don't actually have to deal with yeah. real life situations as much. Yeah. Um, so I hated being reminded of that because when I when I watch a movie, I want to escape into it away from reality and so when a movie is too real that's when i'm like no fuck this this sucks this makes me think this is horrible this makes me feel too many real (laughs) shit emotions like um, so i loved it and hated it for the same reason which was which was strange um but i i first i think i want to first jump in to my favorite character of the movie, which is the middle sister. <laughs> the,
0: huh. She is oh, uh, the, so Kara, the daughter. Cara,
1: yes. Kara, the daughter, okay. the middle, the middle sister of his daughters. Yes.
0: Uh, yeah,
1: she it's... is so teenage, annoyingly annoying, but at the same oh. time, like it's she made me laugh so many fucking times. <laughs> like, yeah. especially the climactic scene where her boyfriend quote unquote is driving away. She turns around. You're a murderer of love. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my yeah. God. The teenage hormones never, never seemed so perfectly clear and pronounced in a character. I be-
0: it I it's such a good performance by Britt Robertson. That's that's ridiculous. like she is so good in that perform like that role and with that performance. Because every time I watch this movie, it never fails. I I just I immediately don't want kids again,
1: right? Like it captures it perfectly, but at the same time, like there was a weird part of me that was going every time he had a tender moment with his daughters that's of course the moment where i'm like oh yeah there it is i actually wouldn't mind that Mm -hmm. with kids fuck (laughs) and then and then of course something would happen and you know some drama would come up and and i'd be reminded again of why i don't want kids like it would it's just (laughs) i think that's really the a great theme for this movie for me anyway was that it was a constant back and forth where it was just like i hate this and i like it I hate this and I like it and uh, I would say that maybe that is a good signifier of like it's dealing with a little bit more adult real world issues which mm-hmm. I think is good because you don't always yeah. get that from a movie let alone a rom-com Yeah. Um, did you have a favorite character because you I usually would... do right you usually have like yeah, some I
0: mean, well like the supporting what... characters in
1: this were really good, I think, like I
0: agree and I, I would I would and I would give that to what I mentioned about how they all rehearsed and and kind of yeah. grew as a family um, so yeah i I would say I do have a favorite character, but at the same time. It's not as pronounced as like with films that I'm not a huge fan of I oh, don't okay. get a lot out of. Okay. Like crazy stupid love last week, you know I mentioned it was it was the friend Liz mm-hmm. that I that was like easily by far barn on the, the favorite character. Here in this movie, I would say my favorite character is probably is probably Clay. The he's the brother who said you need to unclaw. Oh yeah, name.
1: he's pretty funny. <laughs> I, he's... Yeah.
0: that brother I thought was hilarious um
1: and That's that's I, the brother yeah. I would be, the brother that just wants to be in like, often his own little like secure space. He's got the wife, he's got the family. Like he's and just he
0: cracks cracks the jokes. And, yeah, and uh, then every and now and then he comes like, over
1: and cracks the jokes. Like, and
0: the fucking when he, they uh they have the stretch after the whole workout thing, and he's like, oh, that's a good stretch. Maybe <laughs> but, you should do that
1: to me later. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um and that actor i i found out a little more about him his name's norbert leo Butz. he's won two tony awards for really uh um, yeah for uh one of his most recent was for catch me if you can back in 2011 so no shit so yeah he's a very successful broadway actor oh um, huh. Because I'm like, man, I haven't seen this guy and anything after this movie. Like, where did this guy go? Like, because he's pretty good. It's like, oh, he's just killing it on Broadway.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's where he went.
0: Uh, (laughs) Um, But.
1: Well, he transformed pretty well to uh, the screen.
0: Yeah, I agree. And yeah, it just. Hmm. Okay. uh, All right. Um, I mean,
1: if you, I've, I've got some more theories or not theories, but like opinions, but I'll, they they should be saved for the end. So I'll go for give, it, launch into it.
0: I'll I'll give just like a a general overview, and then I'll kind of go into parts. I feel like they should be highlighted, and then just kind of ask what you think of those parts. Worse for uh, me. <laughs> Because there's so many little things and little scenes that I love of this movie. Um, yeah, I love this movie. Um, I've seen it tens and tens of times. Just like we have tens and tens of listeners. <laughs> I've seen this tens and tens of times. So uh,
1: if you had to pick like one big thing you loved about, like is there a, is there a core like thing it, that makes you love it?
0: Steve Carell's performance. It, Steve Carell's performance. It's and it's it's just performances in general, but especially Steve Carell's performance. He is so good in saying things without saying things in this movie. The, he they shoot he his face and the reaction well. Whenever they have a separate shot to catch someone's reaction, they catch it in such a way that so much is explained with just a look. <laughs> and it's, um, and that's something that I feel rom coms, especially more modern ones, forget. Like the reaction shot of someone can say so much more than just yeah. like, telling it. Well, that goes
1: back go. to the body language thing, where it's like that's part of that's a huge, huge part of relationships. Whether it's just. Uh, Like, whether it's romantic or just really simple daily interpersonal relationships. Like, it's the body language is such a key component of any of those. Mm -hmm. And we never it's so subtle. We never even realize it when we're actually in the situation. Like, you just react to it. Like, you see someone's facial expression when they react to you. You Mm -hmm. just make so many subconscious minor reactions to that.
0: And it's always in like the first initial thought and reaction to something is your true thought. You yeah. can then cover it up with like, oh, reasoning and this and that. And
1: Pretense like, and, and yeah, and societal like, yeah. stuff. And yeah,
0: you find a way to hide your true feelings. But it's that first initial ping, that first initial face you make, that first initial thought you have. That's your true uninhibited thought of what's going on there. And when you catch when you take the time to have an extra shot to cut to of someone seeing something, it does so much, especially in this one where it's just like he has this great beginning with Marie at the bookstore and then they're at the house. And then, you you know, Dan is kind of he kind of puts himself down initially. Just I think that's just more of he's been out of the game for so long that it's hard to pump himself up as far as like a, a desirable partner. Mm-hmm. So it's extra shots that give of Marie seeing him that help explain her attraction to him. Cause his attraction to her is obvious. Yeah, Everyone's attracted to so. him. Uh, but like the big one is when they come back from the run, uh, Marie and Mitch. Yep. And, Dan wants to take his daughters out to wherever and then they go. And then he ends up taking those two kids along with his youngest daughter to like the lighthouse or they end up at the lighthouse because everything else is closed.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> which, we, we can um, relate which to has, that.
0: Which has the funny part of him just when they go try to go bowling and then they just cut to him saying, kids, there's going to be disappointment it's just just the way they do that i think is great um but when he picks up the two kids and they he's like carrying them to the car and she has come up from the hill and she sees him carrying those kids yeah and she just has this look on her face like wow like look at him being a dad sort of thing yep and like, and you can just kind of see her ovaries burst in that little shot right there. And it's just like, oh, that's what, like, she sees him for, like, the man he is, like, the, the, you know, the caring thought, like, the caring man who cares for others and is, is there, like, just the adult human yeah. man that he is. You know what I mean? And,
1: Chicks dig a responsible adult.
0: Yeah. And so, it's little performative things like that throughout the film that you can just see you can read and you can infer upon that don't that aren't necessarily like thrown in your face. you can just kind of see them you know what I mean um, yeah when- like, I even saw something new for the first time this first on this latest viewing which was when he wakes up at the very beginning of the movie, He's sleeping on his side of the bed still. Yep. He's not taking up the whole bed. He may have like the letters for his advice column on on you know his ex wife or well his uh what well, his wife's side of the, yeah. of the bed, but he's sleeping completely on his side of the bed still. And it just kind of gives the idea of okay, this is where he's at. <laughs> like this is. This is Dan in real life. He is still sleeping on his side of the bed. He's still kind of hung up on the loss of his wife.
1: Yeah, there was some definite symbolism.
0: Yeah, and it, it was just like, oh, that's a really good opening shot because it kind of it gives an idea of where he is, right? You know, to begin with, and it, it makes sense. And so it's just little things like that throughout the film is what I like the most about this film and why I keep coming back
1: to it. What did you think about the actual, uh, the actual plot? Cause like it was a, for a rom-com it was kind of complex or not complex, but it was, it was different. Like it wasn't just, you know, two people meet, fall in love, have complications, rekindle it, realize why they love each other live happily ever after it was, it, it dealt with a lot more like unique and um gray area kind of situations where like, we've got on the Dan side of things, we got someone who's recovering from the death of a spouse
2: mm-hmm.
1: that he's said apparently was his, was really his other half. Like it was someone that he, Truly felt was his soulmate.
0: Like the line that his dad played by John Mahoney. Shout out, doctor, or shout out, Martin Crane.
1: Martin Crane, yeah. I was waiting for, uh, uh, what's what's the dog's name? Um, Uh, Frazier. No, the dog, not. Oh, Eddie. Eddie.
0: You're waiting for Eddie to show up. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Um, like he says when they were walking on the beach, he's like, I know you always say when, uh, when you found her. She was like winning the lottery and you feel greedy if you try it again
1: yeah so we've we've got that where it's like that that's that's unique but that's also mm. relatable like mm. to a point um yeah. like not everyone goes through that but and hopefully not many do but the ones that even the ones that don't can kind of at least sympathize with it a little bit and then we've also got this this situation where the person that he falls for is his brother's girlfriend. Like that's just a weird. Like we got some complex little like intermixings here and all this like background of these plots. So what what did you you love this movie? What did you think of all that stuff for a rom com?
0: Well it it's it follows the formula. Uh, where there the formula itself is you know Love interests, uh, you know, with Hollywood, it's usually, you know, heterosexual love interest, but it could be, you know, homo- homosexual as well. It could be whatever. But love interests, you know, meet cute, like you meet in a cute way at the very mm-hmm. beginning, then all of a sudden there's some sort of
1: complication, barrier,
0: barrier, or complication, have to overcome that obstacle may include a you include a climax where you're broken apart and then the res- resolution is you come back together. Right. That's that's rom-com formula 101.
1: <clears throat> you're right, it did follow that formula.
0: Yeah. The, and so it follows the formula but it but the way that it followed the formula was different. And it goes back to the analogy I always use about when you're like cooking a recipe you're like if you're making a, a meal like I always come back to fried chicken like you know exactly it's fried <laughs> chicken, but fried chicken's gonna taste different based on the extra stuff you put in the the batter, the extra stuff you put in here and there. If you put a little extra here, put a little extra there, and things like that, the like it's going to come out tasty different. It's gonna come out looking different, and it's gonna come out you know being different than the other. You know stuff you see out there. You can take something and make it your own with just little bits here and there.
1: Right. And
0: so this film does it in a way where, you know, they have the 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 meat cute, but then she's taken. So, you know, he's like, "Well, damn." And then she's at his family reunion. Oh crap! Like that's the whole. So now you've created the whole conflict if you created the obstacle is that he's stuck in a house with her <laughs> like this girl he can't have um and then what also helps with this is that it allows them to actually get to know each other so being in the house together not only so you just kind of fast forward through all the dates that you would have because you're stuck in a house with someone yeah for that time print so you don't worry about like first date, second date, third date, living in a house, all this other sort, of, sort of stuff that you would go with that other rom com. They end up going through all that, being stuck in the same house, and then from yeah. there, and, uh, yeah, and then from there, it just, um, you know, it, it, they have the, you know, the, the climax where. They kiss. He gets punched out by Mitch. She right. realizes he's caused issues with the family, and then they, you know, come together at the end. Um, so it it follows the formula, but it does it in a way that is unique. I think.
1: Um, I would agree and, with that.
0: And that's that's what I search for in rom coms. Um, and and was something that if they didn't come out in the same year, like no strings attached and friends with benefits, they kind of found a new way at that time of doing the same sort of thing where it's just like, okay, friends with benefits is kind of more of a, it was, it was a more prevalent thing in like 2010, but it was still kind of new ish. So like by 2011, when they, these like films were coming out, it was more, it was a more widespread accepted thought of just banging with, without complications right um and so they use that to kind of be the new unique way of uh of you know coming together right i wouldn't be surprised that there's going to be some sort of quarantine level rom comes <laughs> out of this whole thing where all of a sudden like or just uh you know one of those things where uh, well i mean it kind of would fall into like the The movie Two Night Stand, which is a on Amazon Prime, it's not. It's a pretty good movie, but at the same time, you know, I don't think we'll probably do it for this. (laughs) It would be way way down the line, but it's a movie where there's a these two people, these two young twenty somethings, connect via like online dating. They have a one night stand, but then they're in New York and it's around New Year's Eve. There's a huge snowstorm that basically locks them in so then they're stuck together for another night mm. sort of thing. so i could see like a quarantine comedy or rom-com where it's just like there's like a one night stand or some sort of thing where all of a sudden now they're stuck inside and have to like ride out quarantine together and they barely even know each other sort of thing
1: well um, that is that is something i do like about rom-coms in general is that they follow if they follow like a similar the similar formula Mm -hmm. but they take a unique spin on it where they they apply it to something in real life Mm -hmm. because not every not not ever rarely are you ever going to find some romantic situation where it's just going to be cutesy and like you know all these cute dates and like you you come up with the big gesture and like all that stuff like that's not life life is about improvising life is about adapting to moment that's what being human is and what better way to express your humanity than than with something as basic as love in a situation that is complicated by real life and that's what i love about rom-coms and and i agree this one took a, a unique spin on it where like you have an opportunity to find someone to to share experiences with, to have a connection with, but of course it's complicated by real life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah, I, I think that's, I think that goes in theme with a lot of the rom-coms that, that we both liked uh, was that, you know, some situation that is, that is unique because of how life complicates it. You know, it's not always going to be nice and clean and pretty. It's going to be messy. It's going to be weird. It's going to be unique.
0: Yeah. I and for me, I find like if we go with that formula, I find like the rom-coms I like more when it comes to the conflict part, there's it's less of a it's less of a conflict of their own doing and more of just a, a conflict of the universe Yeah, kind of. So I think of like when Harry met Sally and they decide to be friends sort of thing. Like that's just that are like, or no strings attached or friends with benefits. They, you know, decide they're just going to stay friends sort of thing. This one, it's more of a, oh, she's going out with his brother. Can't really do much about it. And I think of, like, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. They're both lying to each other. And that's the conflict or obstacle that they're trying to overcome. Right. And it's just, like, you know, so for me, like, when films kind of, like, lessen the conflict or obstacle out of it, where it's more of a they just need to realize they they should just be together and just go for it as as opposed to oh they're legit lying to each other and so that lie has to come out in the open before they overcome it and then realize they should be together sort of thing Mm -hmm. i'm a little more interested in that where it's just more of a they have to just kind of overcome the fear and and be together
1: I would amend that and and categorize it in more broad terms by saying that you can either have conflicts. I'm, I mean, I'm sure I'm missing some, but you can have conflicts that are based on personal reasons or universal reasons.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So you have like the romantic interest is is convoluted and complicated because of external factors. Like the universe or life or, you know, for, for this movie's example, you know, it's the situation or you can have it complicated by internal factors, like to use your, your analogy with friends with benefits, where they're, they're complicating Mm -hmm. it based on their own personal feelings, their own personal backgrounds. Um, even no strings attached. I think that's even a better analogy for that, where like it. Like when you when you see why they're both the kind of people that they are, you kind of get why they both have guards up. And especially Natalie Portman's character, you know, like you get it, you get the history. But when you boil it down deep down inside, like you still understand. It's still personal decisions. It's still a personal reason to not follow through and not commit yourself to this opportunity. And personal reasons are a lot easier to overcome than a real world, real life situation. And like to your point, I think quarantine movies could totally be a rom com subgenre at some point, because like there's totally examples of that where like you could you could be in a relationship or you could be in a, a romantic situation that is complicated by the external factors of your time and i i agree i th- i think sometimes those are actually more interesting plots cuz then it's like okay well how do we we're both adults we're both intelligent how do we fucking work through this how do we figure this out cuz it's not all like puppy love anymore where oh we just got to like overcome our pasts and our guards and everything which don't get me wrong i'm a i'm a sucker for those kinds of movies too but sometimes like sounds like sometimes when you know you know, and then you just gotta like overcome the external obstacles, and sometimes that can be a really interesting plot as well so that that's my yeah. that's my broad overview of that, but yeah,
0: yeah that's fair um uh, I just realized uh not all the songs played in the movie were we're by sandra lurch there's
1: you uh, fucking liar
0: well the so, well i mean it's kind of half joke um there i mean there's earth Wind, and fire september a, a remix of it that's played when they do the exercise out the, on the lawn yep uh and then also there's the song that they dance to at the bar which i want to bring up that that scene and also just everything leading up to it uh I think that that's a highlight of the film. Just that whole 15 minute stretch. Emily Blunt. Uh, Emily Blunt, which I posted on my story and reposted on the bromancing the pot bromancing the So podcast on Instagram story, uh, which was like, she is pretty. <laughs> <In> this- <laughs> she is pretty. My gosh. Uh, this was the first film I'd ever seen her in, uh, and yeah, it was, yeah, I thought that, like, <laughs> yeah, like, I just love Like, By all that. means,
1: continue. I'm just, I'm just enjoying yeah, this.
0: The only thing that was just, that's kind of tough to get over, like, I mean, I've seen it so much and I know what to expect, so, like, I, I kind of got past it, but there, there's just that inherent, like, age difference between her and Dan, which is a little odd better than that
1: um yeah i mean there's a few things that are odd about that whole the whole that whole part of the movie like honestly the whole thing about dan and marie still kind of creeps me out the fact that he was mitch's or that she was mitch's girlfriend like like i get it that it's a plot device but it's still it's still weird there's still something in me that's just like it's creepy And then he ends up with Emily too, or Emily Blunt at the end too. And like, yeah, it's weird. (laughs) Weird. It's just weird.
0: I mean, like it's, that was, so that was kind of explained at the very beginning as far as like her, her, like why she was with Mitch in the first place. Like. Was it? Yeah. So. She mentioned that she just gotten out of a messy long-term relationship. Um, Did she really? I missed playing, that part. When they're playing hide and go seek, uh, she mentions briefly she just got out of a messy long-term relationship and Mitch is just uncomplicated sort of thing. So it's obviously oh, right.
2: rebound. Okay. rebound,
0: not that not that serious type of thing. Mitch starts falling for her. <laughs> like this is like so for Mitch, this is the first woman that's actually like someone he could see settling down with. And for her, she sees Mitch as fun and uncomplicated good looking dude who is in shape and she knows.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Um,
0: So, and then she meets Dan who's an actual, you know, attractive long-term partner and prospect through this whole thing. And so, yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I never thought Steve Grohl was attractive.
0: Well, you're a heterosexual male. Yeah, but so he's every, just so I, mean, opinion I, I can
1: a... I can acknowledge Ryan Reynolds is fucking attractive or
0: your your opinion is invalid as a heterosexual male. You can have I mean, an that's opinion. That's
1: fair, that's fair, that's
0: fair. So um fair. just because it's it's not Steve, necessarily.
1: he's so goofy looking. Uh, I mean he's, he's lovable, clear. but he's not. I, I wouldn't say he's physically attractive
0: well i didn't say physically attractive i said an attractive prospect
1: ah okay okay good good take on it
0: yeah and at the same time i i don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with him physically um but but yeah um nonetheless so there so like there's the whole that whole aspect of it and then so she sees him in this whole like He's the one you settle down with. Mitch is the one you have fun with. Right, like That's kind of where she is at that point. And then he's just dying because he realizes this woman is fantastic, but he can't be with her. Mm-hmm. And, and it was right after. And then that's when the parents come in and they met Ruthie, Pigface Draper. And <laughs> I love the scene where they're trying to talk to him in the special room which I thought was another great touch that he's in the quote unquote special room with the dryer and everything because of the whole separate rooms rule that they have. (laughs) Um, And then all of a sudden people come in and he keeps bringing them in because he knows his parents want to talk to him about this, but he doesn't want to talk to them. Yep. So when people, he's just like, come on in, (laughs) just, just come in. Like, Oh no, go ahead, mom, go ahead, dad. No, come on in. Like just the way he brings people in. And then that's when Clay does the whole, you must be backed up. Like I hope you think self-love, you know, unclog the drain, like unpop the bottle.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> and then um, and then of course at the very end, Marie and Mitch come in. <laughs> so and that's what and just his reaction is like and perfect. <laughs> yeah, <Yep. laughs> he's laughing. like <laughs> Just that whole little bit, like that whole scene is so well choreographed of just everyone coming in and then, you know, he's going on the date with Ruthie. And then of course they and they go to the like waiting for the date. They have the song. Um I don't know if that was I'm pretty sure that was made up on the spot sort of thing. And they were just fucking around. Um I think so but, too. Yeah, but they like they made the whole ruthie Pickface Draper song and then of course she comes in and it's emily Blunt looking fine mm. <laughs> and and then immediately marie goes from you know i'll take it pity and, and everything to immediately threatened
1: yep you know, really speaking cool. of expressiveness oh my yes. god her faces throughout that whole bar scene oh my god yes.
0: And that was so great to see because other than that little bit I mentioned earlier about when she came up from the run and saw him carrying the two kids, she didn't necessarily show off her, you know, attraction to him. Right. As much this allowed. And I, I personally love like, especially in like sitcoms when the person who initially was, like the unrequited love gets flipped and then
1: she's in the position of power all the, uh, all the time. And then all of a sudden it becomes who was,
0: who was being desired is now desiring that person. Yes. I love when it gets flipped. Like, that. I love that
1: too. That's a great flip.
0: It's just, it's fun. It kind of reminded like going back to the office when uh, Jim and Karen were dating and Pam was the one pining after Jim. After he had been watching her with, Roy, the whole time, nonetheless. Um, so then just the way she, yeah, just expressed it throughout and like just trying to talk down about Emily Blunt's character, but she's you know a doctor and everything else, like that. Yeah. Um, and then the whole dance scene, which <laughs> is tough to like, which is the other was- song, not, the other song not performed by Sandra Lurch was that nasty girl song that they were dancing to, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, it was obvious that like, Mitch was vibing with her. Like, yeah, a little bit. Yeah.
1: Um, a little bit.
0: I like when he gets out of and he's like, I like your car. <laughs>
1: Which is always funny to me. Always um, good things to look for in a potential mate.
0: Yes. Uh, my question to you is, what do you think happened between Ruthie and Dan that night after they left in the car?
1: Ooh, yeah, because we never really know about that, do we?
0: Yeah, I've always wondered. I've had, I have an idea, but I always wondered. I want to see what you think.
1: I like going off of rom com experience and filling in the blank as if it were a scene. Mm -hmm. I would say they got they got in the mood. She was probably a little more into it than he was. They started taking their clothes off maybe or fooling around or doing a little foreplay. Um, I mean, I'm assuming they go back to her place or something for this. Uh, And then I think he starts talking about his (laughs) his deceased wife. And she's still in the mood for it. And she's just kind of like sitting off to the side, like twiddling her thumbs, waiting for him to stop trying to be, you know, emotional and close with her because she just wants to bang. That's what I'm thinking. And then nothing ever actually happens. Okay. What about you? I...
0: I think you <laughs> I think you go way way further than I think they go. Oh, okay. I think they go on their drive. Uh, it feels like they all kind of grew up in this town. so maybe they like go on a drive, maybe they go back to like the old high school or something like that like and just kind of talk memories and just chat. and I think they just kind of do a lap, but uh, they don't necessarily like stop anywhere um oh,
1: okay yeah
0: you know? and she she's kind of getting a vibe from him but he was kind of doing that for marie's sake what's marie's gone, he kind of realizes i'm not into her like this i think she's cute but i'm not and like she obviously has a you know a, a, a track infatuation with me because of my column and everything but I'm not really trying to take it there, mm. so he, I think he chats with her while they're driving, but he they never stop, and then he has her bring him back, gives her like a maybe a good night kiss on the on the cheek, and then just heads into the house
1: okay I like that that's not bad. I could definitely I, see that happening, and that that seems a little more in theme with the movie too,
0: yeah, that's just the vibe I get from. The whole thing. I think it was more of a, you know, like as they say, when he starts to dance with her, that there was something holding him back, not anymore, and it was just Marie challenging him. Like, I don't think you're interested in her sort of thing. Yeah, it's like if you, that's what's bringing you into it. When you take Marie out of the equation, it's going to go right back to it. Yep. Like he, he never once wanted this. He only wanted it once Marie kind of made him like
1: well you could say the same thing thought. for about a lot of rebound relationships in general too like yeah in a sense this is kind of a weird little reboundish situation because he's as little as he may be coming to terms with it he is coming to terms with the idea that he he won't be able to be with this woman with Marie
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it, in order to you know make her jealous or like rebound from it like you 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 rebound it by rubbing it in their face like that's mm-hmm. this is just another version of that where like you just that's how you rebound, and then the moment that that temptation that motivation is gone from the situation, then you don't it doesn't actually mean anything to you. that's the shitty thing about rebound relationships is like you're not actually you're not actually doing it because of the other person you're doing it for revenge so
0: yeah well um yeah uh, but of course that leads to the whole pancake scene and
1: yeah which, is, which I thought was just, hilarious the yeah the just burnt hilarious. pancakes that he just like yeah. looked at her while he eats that was hilarious
0: you know, yeah more of a like fuck off you know what this is like yeah <laughs> like you you're the one who's with Mitch right now it's just like and so you have no reason to be mad at me yep and you, you know what happened um and then of course that leads to the the flirting thing which once again the daughters just continually talk down on him which i hate yeah yeah uh, like, she'd never be interested in you. Like, shut up, Allison Pill, oldest daughter. <laughs> you don't know.
1: Oh, teenage daughters. i so glad I don't know what that is like yet.
0: Oh, gosh. I couldn't imagine at this point. Um, ugh, I could not
1: imagine. <laughs> yeah, I really can't.
0: Like, ugh. Shout out to all my pals who have kids right now. Yeah, seriously. Have to
1: all the dads out there right yeah. now. To, yeah. no, 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 not, not just dads. I don't know why I narrowed it down to one parent. To all the parents out there. Yeah. That have they, teenage daughters. Like we may, we, we definitely don't fully understand what you go through.
0: Uh, I'm waiting for like literally 13 years or now when like Matt and Andrew and like all of our oh, friends. yeah. Have teenage daughters.
1: Oh man.
0: Oh goodness. I can't. <laughs> Those guys are fucked.
1: They're gonna <laughs> be
0: love you. <laughs> they're gonna be the
1: frontiersmen that that <laughs> that blaze the trail for us. And then when, if and when we ever have kids, we'll be like, oh, so now I know what to do. Yeah, don't do that. Don't uh, you don't, you don't do take, that.
0: You can take the when out of that with me. I I do not want kids.
1: Yeah, I've I've my. Most of my life I've never wanted kids and it wasn't until like recently that like I just started thinking about, it might be kind of nice someday. And then I realized I'm 32 and go, Oh, someday might actually have to be someday soon.
0: (laughs) Well, you're not a female. So you're, so we don't have a, yeah, but still,
1: I don't want to be 40 years old shacking up with a 20 year old. Like that's, you know, my dad. Have to, uh, oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> We're we're going way off topic. Um, so, oh, uh, parents. Yeah, uh, and then, yeah, we and then we lead into the talent show scene, which is also preceded by the whole scene where uh, he finds the middle daughter kissing her boyfriend, which we discussed. And then the scene in the room where he he's like, what don't I understand, Kara? How, you know, whenever you're with this person, you know you can be your best version and everything else. I didn't notice until like a few viewings after my initial viewing that they could hear him. And Marie is sitting there hearing him. Mm. Say on him. And it was just like, oh. So like, it, it, you know, it takes a few viewings to see how much is said without being said, like yeah. how these things, but like his speech there is heard by Marie. So she gets how he feels right about. It. And then that leads to the talent show where he decides to play guitar for the first time since his wife died. Mm-hmm. And then the, you know, let my love open the door whole thing, which is a great scene of just like, how he just gives himself into the whole performance. Yep.
1: Yep. How he
0: and how he has to carry Mitch through it because Mitch is stupid. Yeah. Mitch like that's a perfect encapsulation of Mitch too. Where it's just like he has this grand idea but then when it comes to like actually executing the idea and planning through it, he just kind of is like you play the guitar. I don't know the words. But I'm going to sing really hard at the end.
1: Fucking rookie mistake right there. Like, if you're going to make a grand gesture, you make it 110%. Okay? Come to your boy Max, and I'll hook you up with the insider information. We'll do some research. We'll make this shit count.
0: Says the guy who didn't have tasty tidbits today. Um, Yeah, because tasty
1: tidbits are not the grand gesture, Renee.
0: Yeah, we've talked about your grand gestures before.
1: The fuck does that mean? Well,
0: I I could
1: hear that. You may not be in the room with me, but I could hear that tone. We too.
0: we've talked about it on a previous episode. Yeah,
1: and my grand gestures are the stuff of legends. And creepy. What? How is it creepy? <laughs> I hate you.
0: <laughs> I knew that'd get you.
1: Um, but God damn it, it's a uh, trigger trigger word.
0: I know, and this all leads to basically Dan getting with Marie at the bowling alley, and it leads to the kiss of the hill, which is what I'm trying to kind of move ourselves toward. There's only well, one. I don't kiss want to
1: move there. I'm just kidding. I don't care.
0: There's only one kiss in the film, and it's them in the bowling alley oh yeah after they get the spare
1: i think it's romantic as fuck bowling alley best place to make make out
0: like with the lights and (laughs) all alone it actually kind of works it worked it worked it wasn't
1: bad it was it it, it worked
0: it's a great setting they're obviously having fun with each other this is their first like actual like out in public quote-unquote like date that they're having Besides, like when they were talking after the bookstore. And it's just, they're just so flirty and everything. And it's just like, this is, it just made sense. Like everything leading up to the actual kiss made sense. Now, the yeah. actual kiss itself wasn't great because it was just a little, like a bunch of pecs. There's no like deep kiss. And then, of course, they were broken up by their family yep. or by his family, which also wasn't great. I would give the kiss a B, plus, though. I think the lead up. The flirty, the lights, the music, like everything around the actual kiss was fantastic. The actual kiss itself wasn't as passionate as I would like. Hmm. But I think that's more of probably just an actor's choice than anything else. I don't think... uh I think Steve Carell it, probably didn't want to fully commit to the kiss. Probably. In real life.
1: <laughs> I Steve would... Carell. I would agree with uh your reasoning, definitely. I like the lead up to it. The situation was kind of cute. Like it was it was a it was a nice kind of like nostalgic moment where like trying to imagine them or at least him back in, you know, his hometown, like at the same shitty bowling alley from the hometown that he probably grew up bowling at. Like I can relate to that. Like growing mm-hmm. up in Corvallis, like there wasn't a whole lot Else to do in high school besides that and drive around and go sit on Mm -hmm. the banks of the Willamette River and go tubing. Like you know, it was like simple stuff. It was simpler times. Mm -hmm. So like I I definitely like I get that as an adult, if you went back to that situation, there's a party that's kind of gonna enjoy the nostalgia behind it, especially if like with a girl and you're both adults you've both like lived your lives now but there's something nice about this simplistic nostalgic moment so i love the whole lead up to it the kiss itself fucking sucked <laughs> it was horrible it yeah. was so i would give it i would give it a c plus it was passable it was it was okay um and the lead up to it definitely Definitely saved it. But the kiss itself just brought it down for me. Yeah.
0: That's fair. I, yeah. I mean, th- that's that's totally fair. Um, and as far as what happens after Ever After.
1: Yeah, do you have one?
0: Yeah, I thought about it. And I think Dan and Marie are still together, of course. Yeah. Um, I don't think they have any more kids, uh, but I think Dan, I, I'm more wondering about Dan's column. Cause I mean, newspapers were already kind of on the outs. At an <laughs> and now here we are 13 years later and they're pretty much gone. Yeah. So I feel like Dan's on, I'm trying to figure out like what website is Dan on? Like Dan's column has to be on a website at this point. And I'm wondering where it would live.
1: GQ. I mean,
0: yeah, <laughs> no, um,
1: Cosmo. But Yeah.
0: I feel like dad's probably just like, uh, you know what? I think dad writes another novel after mm-hmm. he's found three. He writes another novel and that novel finds a little bit more of an audience.
1: There you go. I like that.
0: Then the first one. And so he has more than, you know one edition then he, he has more done. to
1: work with now, too, exactly. He has a better understanding of love, so he can write a novel about it,
0: yeah, well, well I mean,
1: or you mean like an actual a, novel a
0: better like well a better understand well, I mean, we don't know when he wrote that first book uh, if he was already with his first wife or not
1: um, oh, no, that's true,
0: but nonetheless i i I think he wrote another novel and it found more success that's okay. Okay. That's what I would say what happens every after. And then also I think Mitch and Ruthie don't last.
1: No, you don't say. <laughs> I was so um, rooting for that.
0: Also, I think Kara does get knocked up by Marty. And Jesus.
1: Marty. And I think Marty doesn't
0: stick around to take care of the job. Oh my God. <laughs> but <they> <laughs> <laughs> Jesus.
1: Shit got dark.
0: Hey, like, look, high school love is is stupid. <laughs> like, don't ever <laughs> anyone who is in high school right now listening, just don't get involved. Just fucking, just punt, <laughs> just punt relationships out into like toward the end of college oh, when you're a little bit. Just punt it. Just oh, you know, man. defer to the second half and wait till later in life <laughs> until you to get into relationships. Because all you can do is fuck up your life by trying to get into relationships at a young age.
1: Hey! I didn't. Okay. (laughs) But I will agree that high school relationships are a fucking joke. Like... I mean, the one that I had was, was no joke itself. But, like... You don't know shit when you're in high school. Like... Yes. The emotions and the, like the the hormones that are running through your system like it's so cliche to say hormones but it's so true that like you have such a vague tiny understanding of the world at that point in your life that what little you do understand is so potent and like it i, I feel like when you're in high school it's like looking at it's like looking at a pixelated version of life. Like you're only seeing bits and pieces. It's like it it's like if you took you know when you you have the monitor up, like you have your computer booted up and it's it's full full resolution and everything. And then you start a program that asks you to like boot it up in two hundred and fifty six colors and it just boots up in like the most contrasting, shitty, pixelated look and quality that's what high school emotions are like they're like (laughs) the most raw broken fragments of adult emotions they can possibly get but they are still emotions that's not under or downplaying them but like oh my god it is just nothing but raw crap that just completely negates any sort of knowledge you could possibly get about adulthood at that point You're just your hormones just run wild and it it just there's no controlling them, you just kind of have to live through it. (laughs) Fucking high school, (laughs) oh god, thank god we all survived that
0: for real. Well, I uh,
1: shall we get into the ratings?
0: ratings? Yeah. I mean, it's not a surprise here. Mary, I marry it. I marry it. It's legit a top five movie of all time for me. I don't care. I, like it just is. It, it, it is. It always will be. I thought so since when Dude, I first started
1: podcast. You don't have to justify it. Just
0: yeah. When <laughs> I first saw it, I uh, immediately loved it and had it in my top five, and it's still there to this day.
1: Right. What about you? Um, I would, I personally didn't really like the movie that much. Like it's not for a rom-com. I wouldn't put it up there very far. Um, but that's not to say that it's bad. Like, like I said, for me personally, I, I don't, it's not my kind of movie, but I can also acknowledge that it is a, it is a movie worth watching. So I would give it a fuck. Because it is definitely worth watching. There's some good stuff to take away from it. Um, it's got some good relationships, uh, themes, and um, aspects to it. It's more of an adult rom-com, like we've already touched on. But um, I think the most redeeming part of it for me, actually, was was the... like There was an under there was kind of an undertone like a, there was a theme, but it was less obvious that I liked that came out right at the end. They made it obvious at the end when he said, I want to talk about plans. And he's narrating over the the very end of the movie. And they sum it up with, if there's one thing we should tell our kids, it's, uh, yeah, I don't even remember what he, what the first part of the quote was, but you know, that we shouldn't
0: like the, you know the. But he says the you know thing we should tell him is plan to be surprised.
1: Yeah, don't don't make don't make if you're gonna make a plan, plan to be surprised or something like that. Yeah, because that's that's a great little like little piece of relationship advice that I really liked from it. Because it was like you can you can it didn't apply. As much to this movie, I don't think, as it could have applied to other movies that we've already seen and other movies we will see. But the whole idea of making plans, you know, we've already touched on it with, you know, the grand gestures and stuff like that. Like love makes you want to make plans, whether it's, you know, plans to win someone over or plans for the future with that person, you know, sharing your life with that person. Even if you marry that person and you do share life together, as we see from Dan's character, there's no solidity in that necessarily. Nothing's a given, nothing's a guarantee. Life could change at any moment. So I love that little aspect of it that, like, because I fucking make plans all the time. You know that. Like, I'm a huge planner. I love a good plan. I write shit down all the time. It has to make sense. But no matter how fucking hard I try to control the situation, there's always going to be something that goes awry. And you just – like that's kind of just part of being human, part of living. You just kind of have to roll with it. Mm -hmm. And when the opportunities arise and present themselves, you just kind of have to jump on them like Dan does in the movie where it's like nothing about it fucking makes sense. There's no plan. It's, It's not logical. And a lot of it seems very wrong, but at the same time, you can't deny what's going on between them. And you just kind of have to go with it. It's part of life. And I loved that. So for a movie that i I personally didn't like, there were a couple redeeming aspects, and that was that for me, that was a big one. I liked that little I always try to find like the little subtle lesson in there. so I like that. So I'd give it a yeah. I'd give it a nice middle ground. Like you gotta see it once.
0: All right. Well, Preferably
1: not when you're in high school. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I saw it when I was a uh shoot, I was a software in college. Okay. Yeah. I, I saw it uh that's what it was. That's why my mom saw it before I did, because I was that was fall 2007 so sophomore year of college um and then when i came back for thanksgiving break
1: mm. that's when my mom,
0: my mom and i went and saw it
1: okay so thanksgiving break how, is a good time to see movies i forgot about that how,
0: that's why i was at city of 11 because it was already like of like the main lancaster movie theater yeah and then to yeah so all right there you go. Well, uh, so you can find our uh, show social medias at uh, Bromancing the Stone podcast at Instagram. I mentioned that earlier. And of course it's B R O M A N C I N G T H E S <laughs> T O N E P O D C A S T.
1: We couldn't have created a shorter name.
0: I mean, BTS podcast would have made people think it was about the, the Korean, you know, the K-pop group. Uh, not so, everyone
1: knows about the K-pop group.
0: Everyone knows about the K-pop group
1: more than our podcast
0: dog. <laughs> like our podcast is not more popular than the K-pop group. How dare you? It is what it is, man. is. I'm, I'm a realist when it comes to this shit. Uh, but you can find our Twitter at bro, the stone pod. That's B-R-O-T-H-E-S-T-O-N-E-P-O-D. I can find my Twitter at supermarket sweep without the e in super so s u p r market sweep and you can find my Instagram @relusa88 r e l u s a 8 8 and then max
1: you can find me on Instagram at the lionhearted t h e period l y o n h e a r t e d
0: perfect and then we mentioned that we're going to do Harold and Kumar for 420 but I forgot that there's a week before 420 so it's gonna be your choice oh
1: yeah okay
0: uh, it's gonna be your choice again okay. then we'll do harold and kumar and then we'll go to my choice again um, so uh
1: okay. let me look at yeah the and of course
0: here. once again i didn't tell you beforehand so
1: <laughs> okay we still have we still have a decent list to choose from so i'm gonna go oh, yeah. i'm gonna take a brief look at it here god we actually have some damn good movies left on the list Oh, we
0: got some bangers yeah we got, we got, some got a lot
1: really of good movies left on the list i mean yeah um I mean. wow okay yeah there are there are quite a few good ones um for some reason in my limited mind i thought we were starting to run out of like our favorites kind of thing no Um.
0: like well there's a lot of like bangers like that i haven't necessarily like seen in a while or right
1: There's also a few on here that, like, that are our favorites that we haven't done. So, like, it's not, like, we've actually mixed it up pretty decently. I'm proud of us. Um, um, Well, shit. I'm tempted to do... I'm tempted to do an older one, but I think I'll save that. Um, I mean... No, I, I do want to do an older-ish one, but not as old as I was originally thinking. I think...
0: Should we head back to the 90s?
1: I think so. I think I'm going to go with... Oof. Okay, I'm going to need your help with this one. Because okay. I'm, I'm torn between two. Okay. So I'm thinking either Sleepless in Seattle or You've Got Mail.
0: Yeah, I fucking did you're looking at sleepless in uh, you seattle knew right I, fucking were. I, I knew you were
1: so here, here's you know what no no i've already decided let's do sleepless in seattle <laughs> that's what yeah, i want to do.
0: do chronological order and you know what i'll go ahead and lay it out for the rest of april for everyone we're going to do sleepless in seattle then we're going to do a 420 special with harold and kumar go to white castle <laughs> and then 427 i'll go ahead and choose you've got mail so we'll do a whole you know, fuck it. We'll yes. I movie. like it. I like it. Meg and Tom, um, and then a weed special, and then Megan Tom again. And I love cool. it. Let's yeah. do it. Uh, so next week we'll be doing Sleepless in Seattle, a movie I have not seen.
1: I think I've only seen it once, and I it was so fucking long ago I don't remember it. So this will be new. Yeah.
0: This will be new for both of us. So this is gonna be very interesting.
1: I remember uh, the Empire State yeah. Building playing a role. That's it.
0: I remember that too. That's, That's it. about it.
1: That's really so, it.
0: Yeah. And and there being a kid involved, so oh yeah.
1: Right. yeah, yeah okay.
0: All right, until then, y'all have a good week. Stay uh, safe. Fucking, I mean, we're not doing anything. Should we do like a special, like, two episodes? Kind of do both of these like together in the same week.
1: Oh, the you got mail and sleeps in Seattle.
0: Yeah, before four twenty. We could. I mean, right? Like we could do, like Monday, and then like Thursday, a special. You've got mail, and then just have them both out in the same week. So like Monday and like another
1: another unofficial two parter. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I don't mind it. Yeah, because like the it'd be a weird breakup between.
0: Yeah. yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. So that yeah, a special announcement for everyone. We're gonna have Sleepless Seattle Sleepless in Seattle out April thirteenth. And then Thursday, April sixteenth, we'll have you've got mail out, and then four twenty we'll have Harold Kumar out. So we're gonna have two episodes out for you because it's quarantine times and we ain't got shit to do. So <laughs> 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 all right, um, We love y'all. Love you guys. To the tens and tens of listeners. Have a great rest of the day.